Gorilla Healer presents Farms Not Farms podcast, season two, sponsored by buildthesoil.com. Hold up. Wait. We want to thank you for listening to the Farms Not Farms podcast presented by Gorilla Healer by giving you a 20% off discount code to gorillahealer.org. Use code SEASON2 when you check out at GorillaHealer.org of any item not currently on sale. And also, be sure to check out BuildTheSoil.com, our Farms Not Farms podcast sponsor, for all of your organic soil amendment needs. BuildTheSoil.com, the Internet's number one spot for your organic soil amendments. Back to the podcast. Hey, how's it going? How are you? I'm great, thank you. Good to see you. You too. I'm getting uh, Barbell set up here on her her computer, and uh, wanted to say hello. So, thank you. I will. The lighting is not that great here. I said that already. This is kind of oh, that's better. Yeah, that that's is probably, better. Yeah, much better. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. Just working my little tail away. We've got a big guest coming in tomorrow and then big things happening around here and uh, going back east next week and cool. all that fun, fun jazz. Yeah, how are you doing? Well, thank you. Definitely okay. keep it busy. Good. Okay, are you ready here? Yeah. All right, I'm going to hand you over. Yeah, Much love, brother. Talk to you later. Thank you. Talk to okay. you soon. I got my props here. Sweet. I love it. Yeah. How's it There's going? Some... It's going great. It's going great. It's good to see you. You too. So you met Linda Hand, huh? I sure did. Yeah, I got to stay at her place with the whole band, and uh, she's a gem. She's a special lady. Mm. Yeah, she thanks Thanks to Summer and to Richard Rose for both telling me to, to link with her, and that was enough, and I did. <laughs> oh, yeah. She goes way back. Mm, way back. Definitely an OG, like yourself, I'm sure. Yeah, there was once an HIA that's got, it's probably, I don't even know when the founding of HIA, Hemp Industry Associations, started. But Richard Rose was one of the founders. Oh, I can't remember the other lady's name. And I was an advisor to them because mm. I couldn't be president, nor do I want to be president of anything. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, it's good to know so, what you don't want. Huh? It's good to know what you don't want so we can gravitate. Oh, yeah. to Let me get my sound up. A little, yeah. 
the industry has gone through a lot of changes mm. and directions and well let's get into it are you ready to start yeah beautiful yeah. welcome to the farms not farms podcast i'm here today again with a very special guest an og of the cannabis world and the hemp industry and if you would be so kind would you introduce yourself for anybody who doesn't yet know who you are and and i want them to Okay, I'm Barbara Philippon. I did the project management in the early days, in the 90s, in Romania. You disappeared, Brent. Forgive me if my video goes off for a moment. All right, so feel free to start again. <laughs> okay, my first uh, experience with hemp was around 1989 getting rolls of hemp out of Thailand from the Hmong tribe, which was very narrow rolls of hemp. Well, maybe I should step back. I grew up in a mill town in New Jersey. My grandfather was a jacquard weaver with natural fiber, flax. So from the time I was a child, I've been sweeping floors and factories and learning from family. Uh, from there, I really didn't want to work in textiles. I was uh, a good artist and designer for apparel. So my first years of my career were working in India with what I thought at that time was natural fibers. Um, as time went on and seeing the conditions and the methods in India, it was quite obvious it was a, a very toxic environment. And due to my character, wherever I work, if the environment is not conducive to people being happy and working, I'm going to change it or I'm going to have to step away. Most of the time I can change it. Um, again, as years went on, I'm discovering we're in most of the fabrics that we thought were natural were not. They were chemically processed to convert them into synthetics. So at that point, what we thought was natural, when you test it, there was no plant matter detected. Are you rolling? Oh, oh what was that? <laughs> I can see There's you. No, no plant matter detected at all in these supposed natural fibers. Is that what you're saying? Right. Yes. Yes. Same as today. So mm. when people see what were these natural fibers being what was, what was being promoted? Oh, there was uh, rayon, there was viscose, there were so, Georgettes. Okay, and and the um, they're derived from wood, some cotton, um, mostly controlled grown wood pulp. Mm -hmm. They would get 
dissolved in chemical formulas and create slurries, it's called. And then they would produce what's called a filament yarn. It's sort of like a very thin fishing line. You know, it's a continuous length of fiber. There was no staple. And later on, I'll explain what staple length is and spinning systems and how it should be. So at that point, uh, with the there was a fabric in particular that was very popular, but I knew that it was highly flammable. Like if anyone even walked near a campfire or was around anything, if you dropped a match or an ash on this specific fabric out of uh, India, it would ignite. Wow. So back in those days, I decided to go on NBC News affiliate in Denver at the Denver March and I didn't show my face, but we ignited a skirt. And at that point, it was banned from import into the U.S. Wow. Now, I, you know, I love to say I'm an activist. I would love that. Um, in my younger days, yes, I was driven by my passion, but now I come to realize you have to have the experience, the knowledge. And I like seeing you, Brent, because I feel like I can talk to you. So it's better to see you if that's okay. Absolutely. All right, because I feel like I'm talking to somebody. You know, instead of <laughs> you are you're talking to a whole lot of people right now. <laughs> okay, great. Hi, everybody. Um, really good in front of big crowds, cameras. I freak out. But, uh, so we banned the Georgia, and at that point, before that, working in India. I felt it was my duty to try to improve not only the environments, but um, I was working with what's called the caste system. So the people that worked in these factories were mostly men and the women were in management. And to make a long story short, it's completely unacceptable, and to this day, it is still unacceptable. And if we're going to scrutinize any country in fair trade or environmental stewardship, we should point ourselves towards India. And we'll get into the difference between India and China at some point. Um, I, I don't understand how we are scrutinizing a 6,000-year-old culture in China, and we're not even 300 years old. 
uh, and I could speak all day about that subject, but we're here to talk about the basics of hemp right now. Uh, current, the history of hemp was basically, you know, we had George Washington, we had World War II. The hemp that was grown in those days was strictly used for twine and cordage and the twines were made into canvas at a twine and cordage spinning facility, which is completely different than making a textile grade yarn. So the twine was woven into canvases that were used for backpacks, and then there was rope. Um, All the Navy ships still have hemp rope today. Yes, yes, and I believe that was, there was manufacturing in the US or it could have come from Canada, but my dad was in World War II and he said it was our backpacks and our ropes. It was not uniforms. In those days, the uniforms were made from wool or blends of wool and cotton, but it was majority wool and flax. So, you know, people think that hemp was made for uniforms. No, it wasn't. So that's the hemp that we OGs are trying to bring back. What happened here in the US, we're gonna get into that discussion, but what I want to do is show the differences of what was historic versus what is currently happening. Um, historic hemp, my props here, was stock. Mm. Like, it didn't have branches. Mm. It had leaf with stems. A stem is very different than a branch, sort of like a maple leaf. You know, you're not a branch, it's a leaf. So this is what we're striving for, something like this. Now, everyone's saying to me, I want, I'm growing for fiber. I'm growing for fiber. Well, we've got to correct this because it's being convoluted. And I'll explain why as we go along. The fiber only comes from the exterior of the stalk. This is not fiber, the entire stalk. It's only this. That's where the fiber comes from. And from the, and through the years, well, I should go back. I've worked in Romania. I've worked in South Korea, all hemp project, Hungary, Poland, China for 27 years, Canada in the early days uh, with hemp. It's, 
it kind of stole my passion because there was so much more value added than a cotton bowl. Um, there's so many subjects I want to cover and sometimes I confuse people uh, because we're going to talk about cottonized hemp too because there is yeah. no thing as cottonized hemp. Mm. I made up that word about 20 years ago and then it ended up get turning into the latest buzzword. Mm. But from this, we would say 15% bast fiber. It's called the bast. What's left after you remove this bast fiber is a very soft wood, high cellulose and some lignin. It is not fiber. It is a soft wood. And I thought I brought some samples to my desk, but everyone's seen what's going into hempcrete as a filler. It's herd. It is not fiber. Now, in our current environment that's been manipulated, yeah, it could be fiber, this stick. If you dissolve it in a chemical formula, make a slurry, turn it into a filament or a monofilament, which is a synthetic material. So psychologically, we're saying, we're gonna make t-shirts in America. We're all gonna do it. How many pairs of socks can I make from a bush? I literally get these questions. Or, you know, I'm going to grow for CBD, I'm going to grow for hempcrete, I'm going to grow for food, and I'm going to make t-shirts. There's nothing more absurd than taking that approach. Because the infrastructure that's required to do each one of those things that people want to do it's not really possible in one location. There's various supply chains. If you're gonna be making food products, you've gotta comply with health and safety and the requirements for handling food. If you're gonna be working with fiber, you have to control work with air quality control, vacuum systems. I have a tendency to elaborate too much and lose people, but it's so important that even if a fraction is picked up, it's going to help get us back on track. I so pray. Let me ask you a question, just for a little uh, recap and, and outline of what we're talking about. You're saying that in terms of the hemp stalk that's grown, that, that you're holding, right? Mm -hmm. The fiber comes off of the outside of it. And that's the original hemp fiber. Now you're saying in this day and age, companies are taking the inside of it and chemical and dip and uh, and Not soaking yet. it. Not yet. They're about to. Ah, okay. So, so ultimately, in order to say that this is hemp made, they're they're 
in the process of of um, mixing the hemp that's inside as well, not necessarily what you're calling the good fiber, and they're going to then they're turn it into a usable material. Is that what you're saying? Uh, as I show you the props, you'll okay. be able to connect the dots of what's going on. Great. Okay, on this specific hemp, let's just say in Canada in the early days, they planted the very first year what was called a dual purpose crop that produced seed. And this is long before Manitoba Harvest or Hemp Oil Canada. This was uh, probably before a lot of the new generation uh, knew about, even have adults that don't know that Canada was the first to grow hemp. What year around that, around, oh, estimated? Yeah. It had to be mid-90s. Okay. Maybe a little earlier. I mean, for me, because it's a job for me, I, it's my profession. So working with ag waste, natural materials. So when people say to me, you know, what year, where were you? I, I, I got to look in my diaries. This is my job. It's, it's not, you know, uh, about me. It's about the plant and having the skills and the experience to work with it. So here we are in Canada in the early days, we had a dual purpose, which produced seed, which looks just like a big kind bud. But when you squeeze it, all the seeds came out of the bud. And back in those days, Walmart gave a contract for that seed. And Richard can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Rose, you know, later on, but Walmart had the contract, but the seed was not cleaned and sized. And at one point, I guess the second year, the feds came in and said, oh, that seed is testing high in THC. But it wasn't cleaned and sized. So mm. it could have been residue from the bud. Now, today, we have cleaning and sizing. So yeah, Richard, we did an episode with Richard where he talks about cleaning the resin off to make sure that, you know, uh, uh, you know, people are eating foods and they don't have to worry about testing positive for THC or, you know, the feds or anything like that. Right, because in the countries that I've worked in, hemp was used to ward off insects from vegetable gardens. So in Eastern Europe, like if someone had a vegetable garden, it would be bordered with little hemp shrubs. They would be pruned to where they were little chubby plants. And they weren't much higher than this, but it would produce an odor or aroma that seemed to ward off pests. Now, if it got- Those are the old school tarps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so 
you know, I'm going to throw this in. Pesticides kill insects by attacking the neurological system. Now, this could be a good thing when it's controlled for human consumption, if it's a natural uh, suppressant for killing an, an insect, but it could be helping with neurological disorders in the medical claims that are being made. So we, you have seed, you have uh, the inherent property of that bud, whether it contains seed or whether it's grown as the CBD is, which is really just low THC. As far as the genetic mo uh, modifications of industrial hemp, I'm against it. Why would you, why would you change something that nature gave us? Why do we can learn about the inherent properties and see what that plant had and then go from there? I'm not an agronomist by any means, but I know what I've seen worldwide. So rather than creating hybrids and breeding into different uh, oh. locations, you, you're more into land race genetics that are original and, and have their own divine properties. Absolutely, because in the countries I've been in, nobody was genetically screwing around with the seed. You know, in, in, I'm going to give a couple examples. In Mexico, okay, when in indigenous communities, and I can't say where, the, the kids were growing marijuana, and it was swag, you know? But the mothers would take the leaf and just boil it in water and make poultices out of it for arthritis. Um, it was, there's an inherent properties. I don't want to, I have a lot of IP, but I spent a lifetime and no, I'm not willing to just hand it to a carnival. I want to present it in a way where we can take this information and all of us move forward at the mm. same time. Uh, yeah, rather than this, it's turned into, I want to say this industry was built on love, respect, passion, principles, and then prosperity will come. But we were a tight family, all us OGs. And as far as I'm concerned, OG means old guy, because that's yeah. what we are. We have a plant that will produce seed. We have a plant, if it's grown like this, and if the flower, the leaf is removed from the seed, there's two products. Then when we get to the stock, there's various methods to growing 
harvesting, wetting, uh, processing. It can be all mechanical. It can consider every environmental issue we're concerned about right now. We're concerned about water conservation. We're concerned about uh, pesticides, herbicides. So why don't we approach this with what we're trying to solve or progress, not perfection, here we have this great plant. If you plant it at about 120 plants per square meter, your water consumption cuts to a third. You have no need for um, herbicides because no weed is gonna grow when you get your first fan leaves. So they're going to retain water in the soil. They're going to suppress weeds. You also, the fiber is really the least of my interests right now, even though I want it. But the economy of the scale and the return on investment just does not exist if we're to do it in an eco-friendly manner. Uh, the herd inside is 85% usable filler material. So we have four products from historically grown industrial land. And the infrastructure that's required to do this right, but with a little tweak, because I had to consider, are we going to do it mechanically or are we going to do it um, chemically? I don't want anything to do with the chemicals involved in these processes, because ultimately they're going to end up in our environments, our living environments, our wearing environments. Um, it's okay, you can toke. I'm cool with it. I just can't. <laughs> I'll be honest, I had an itch and I thought it would be better to shut the camera off. <laughs> well, I like talking to you. I feel like I'm talking to you and it makes it easier rather awesome. than looking at myself. And I talk to myself all the time, but I, you know, it's, it's better to have a face. Now let's look at what happened in America, because it's really uh, very disturbing. This is what they're calling hemp. Okay. Um, this is the stock. There is an apple and an orange here. Okay, this is industrial hemp as historically grown. This is our modern day hemp. There is no bast fiber in this method. This is bark. This is wood. And anyone that is familiar with burning wood. There's hardwoods, 
which usually come from fruit trees. And then there's softwoods that are poplars and pine trees and you know, uh, aspen trees. But this material is slightly more, it's not exactly a softwood, but I wouldn't consider it a hardwood. It's a wood. It's not a high cellulosic spongy material that you're going to find in this. So out of this, here comes, and I find this fascinating, that marijuana would come first. Who would have thought that we would be allowed to grow our own weed and make an industry out of it. It's great. But what are we going to do with this? Because this is a lot of material that has value to it after you've harvested the bud. Um, I've been in places throughout the US where this is in piles on farms. And I don't even have to see it and I'll get out of a car and I can smell the mold. So it's becoming a biohazard. Now, the, the big difference our industry is gonna do because cannabis is cannabis. We've got, um, in my day, cannabis sativa was no THC. Cannabis indica was the stuff we smoked. You know, everything's changed now, but I'm just telling you what us old guys know. So this stuff, watch what's going to happen. It's just like recycling, okay? Somebody's going to come along and say, we're going to get rid of your biohazard. It's going to be like waste management. And you're going to, they're going to say, pay us, we'll take it. But this round, we're going to say to them, no, you buy it from us. We're not paying you to take this because the value of this is the next best renewable bio-based plant material in our clothing which is bogus in a way, unless you disclose and provide full transparency of what the renewable bio-based plant material is. And I'm gonna make it a little easier here. Corn, okay, we have field corn, we have eating corn. Everyone doesn't want to eat the corn. They don't even want to feed it to our dogs because it's all GMO. And I'm not going to get into the science of that because I can tell you exactly what was done with it. It was intended to reduce pesticide, uh, the need for pesticides. Well, the corn is being made into fabric now. So basically we're wearing glyphosate. We're wearing round. Yes. There was an, uh, but 
in the processing to make the rayon from this, maybe the chemicals have affected the transmitting of the glycosophate. In Argentina, they did a study on GMO and they discovered that the glycosophate transmits all the way down into the cotton t-shirt. So are we gonna eat, I'd rather eat the glycosophate than put it on my body. At least when you eat it, you're gonna get rid of it through your system somehow. It's not gonna absorb through your epidermis. Yes, it's gonna have effect, but when you're covering your body with a synthetic, your, your epidermis is the largest organ of your body. So why would we- yes, It'll break it down. If it goes transdermally, then we, we're not, there's no filter. It requires more science, but my, I believe my hypothesis is mm -hmm. absolutely correct because of what testing I've done. Because I'm not going to talk unless I have science to back it. It's these synthetic materials, and I absolutely need more testing monies to identify specifically what I'm talking about. But when I've tested synthetic fabrics, the off-gassing, which is called VOCs, volatile organic compounds. Now, isn't it interesting that the word organic is used in VOC, which is synonymous was poison. A VOC <laughs> is poison. But yet the word organic also means, wow, I'm going to be eating organic foods. So I could dissect that too, because is it organic growing practices or is the seed actually organic? And then is it certified grown organically? I mean, it's a little too vague to me. Uh, I'm a detail freak. I have to know everything. I want to know everything about it. But this, we were set up, this industry. This industry, this was orchestrated to be producing plants like this. It's the next best renewable bio-based plant material because it renews itself at about 100 days. If you're gonna use wood trees for making rayon, that's a number of years before you can utilize that wood to make rayon fabrics. And I'm gonna use generic terms because they've been branded and I, I, I got to watch disparaging someone's brand, but they're targeting all the healthy, young, active people. Outdoor wear, you don't see it in babies' clothes. 
you don't see it in the elderly, but you're I'm losing my train of thought here. Um, the it, you're saying you don't see it in baby's clothes. You're talking about the it is what specifically? Rayon, viscose. You, you see poly cotton blends, but the future is what's in the textile industry. They're going to be calling it re renewably sourced bio-based plant material or uh, renewable bio-based plant material, but they're not telling us what it's derived from. Okay. So right now, when you're buying uh, corn, you're buying a brand and all it says is renewably sourced bio-based plant material. They don't tell you it's from corn. Now, I've been hounding the acronyms in Washington about doing their job. Okay, this is misleading. Mm -hmm. Please disclose the content of that renewable bio-based plant material. Same thing with hemp. If we're to use the CBD shrub, it's an ideal resource for perpetuating the use of synthetic, well, chemical processing methods. But they put a little cherry on the cake by saying um, closed loop processing methods. Everyone's heard the word closed loop. Well, as far as I'm concerned, that's another way of saying, we don't know what to do with the effluent water. So we're gonna call it closed loop. We're gonna reuse the processing fluids. How many times they can do that, I don't know. But eventually that water's gonna have to be disposed of eventually they're going to have to look at the water consumption. There's a lot of pieces of that puzzle that are in question. And until I get a really clear answer, I'm going to continue to educate where this appears to be going. So basically you're saying, if I'm to understand correctly, the, <clears throat> the uh, land race hemp strains you don't need to use all these chemicals for and the newer cbd stalks and stuff like that that you're talking about it, it they they re require more synthetic processes because it's wood it's not cellulose spongy pulp strictly for making fiber that would make yarn this does not have fiber. You have to chemically dissolve it into a slurry, put it through what's called a spinneret that shoots out like, and I'm using layman's terms so that people can understand, a fishing line. Mm -hmm. If we use this according to my method, we don't need any chemical processing 
because here's the fiber. I did it with Colorado hemp four years ago. Here's fiber. So now you're presenting the solution. I've had the solution and I tried to educate over eight years in the U.S. I've been to Washington with Governor Paulus. I've been in every summer can tell you the magazines and articles and videos. I don't even know what they're called. I've been in Doug Fine's book. I've been in John Wulak's book, who was Nativa, I guess 25 plus years ago before he was into hemp foods. He wrote about my work in China. I just often wonder why none of these guys mention this. I'm a team player. It isn't the male, female. It's, look, guys, people, we got to give credit where credit's due. You can't usurp the scars on my hands because they were never in the factories. But when I hear I've worked for many companies as the project manager. This industry wasn't abracadabra. And all of a sudden there was hemp textiles. When I went to China, there was only two. I'm a textile engineer, there was two fabrics. So you were going out of the country because you were already in, well, your father was in the textile industry. So what, what brought you Overseas, what got, got you out of the U.S. to for I got him? I got head on to, to China. Okay. Long before the WTO came into play, the world trade. I went into Shandong, China. Um, what do you mean you got head on? For the people that don't understand. Uh, do you know the meaning of headhunting? Headhunting is where people seek out people with experience. And it's really weird because when they approach you, you think they're a housewife wanting to make uh, potholders. And after a day or two, they'll say, okay, I'm with this university or I'm with this government and we're seeking out people with experience and knowledge. Headhunting is not going shooting elk and deer. Because <laughs> some people think that. But Donnie Wershafter was basically the person who connected me with one person in China. And that person then arranged. It should be a mini series because there's the, the human interest aspect, but there's the happiness and the tragedies that occurred because this was not easy for me. Mm -hmm. I was treated like I was the biggest cartel in the world when I was importing fabric. People actually thought hashish was going to come off the fabric. Mm -hmm. It was so ridiculous, the things that had happened over the years. But let's stick with the components. So 
here everyone's betting on a bud that's going to test below regulations and forgetting about what value is in this. Now, I don't want to see this made into clothing, but I don't think I'm going to change that. But there's a few other ideas. This will not decorticate, period. Everyone's asking for decorticators. How are you going to decorticate a bush with branches? Not going to happen. But what you can do with this is not a wood chipper, but a horizontal chipper. Because if you put it through a wood chipper, you're going to, it's going to bind up with just branches because it's semi-hard, semi-soft wood. So a horizontal chipper and you've got, um, I don't have an interest in this, so I'm not gonna add to it. I think people like that are working with particle board, MDF boards uh, in the building industry would have more knowledge what to do with this than I. My expertise in, is in something that gives us multiple products that will feed various existing infrastructures. We already have most of the infrastructure in the US to utilize this. So when people say we don't have infrastructure, well, um, it's right there. It's it's pretty much coming. Um, Is that the decorticators? Yes, but before that, anybody that is growing for seed, this method, they'll say to me, okay, I, I have clean seed. Well, clean seed is nice, but if it isn't sized, mm -hmm. you're not going to have the two values. And I'm going to give a great analogy two analogies in this. If you were to harvest a sunflower and Wesson oil, let's say, has sunflower oil, they're not buying the same quality seed for the oil as you're eating out of a little bag when you're watching the football game. Certainly, so just like the corn that's fed to cows and 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 to cattle, you know, cows and horses is not the same kind of corn that we're going to eat generally. No, right? It's 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 uh, your sizing will yeah. determine the value of that seed and where the application of that seed will be used. Um, the first dehuller in Canada, I was involved in dehulling the hemp seed. Um, God, we could go on for hours, Brent. I don't want to get off a track. Go ahead. Do you want to say something? Let's stay on track. Let's stay on track. Okay, so, all right. I rather 
We're going great. You're, 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 this is this is an amazing class so far. I am so happy to be here and learning and share sharing what what I'm learning. So thank you, really. Keep going. You're welcome. It was my destiny. I've been around natural plants since I could walk. Mm. Really, I it's just I can't cook at all. Neither <laughs> could my mother or my grandmother, but we know our fiber. We know what's natural. Hence, the United Natural Fiber Council is on the horizon. Can you see that? Yes, ma'am. Now I'm vegan. I'm gonna say something. I don't eat animals strict i'm extremely strict about it but the vegans got to learn something if you don't shear an animal it will die if you don't shave the wool from a lamb or the hair from alpaca or a llama it's harmful to the health of the animal so why would you not utilize animal hair? It makes that leads sense. me that leads me to wonder those animals, um, the ones that are, you know, we're talking about. Are they some sort of hybrid that they can't grow naturally, or like how how in the wild would they shed their hair, their, uh, you know? And, and not have it be detrimental, just letting it grow. What? Sheep don't live in the, they live in the wild, but they come down, uh, a little dingo dog and a horse will point towards a mountain. And literally it takes a dog and a horse, the sheep come down, the New Zealanders would come in and shave the sheep in the spring. I've watched it. It, it looks like it's torturous, but it's not. You know, you got to get that hair off because there's lanolin plant clogging the pores, insects, whatever. Um, okay. So that's why the United Natural Five, uh, the UNFC, is going to include plant fiber and animal fiber, and. Also, as long as people are eating beef and pork, why in God's name wouldn't you use the leather? Would you rather have it go to the landfill? I don't eat it, but I, I'm not going to let the leather go to a landfill. And as far as these synthetic leathers, I'd like to test the components in them to see if I'm absorbing any volatile compounds into the pores of my feet, especially for diabetics. Yeah, I see a lot of faux fur out there and faux leather out there. And really, I've always wondered if that's more dangerous to the environment than utilizing the skin of an animal that was already taken, you know, sacrificed. Well, so you have to tan hides too, you know, and I, a comparison would have to be done. 
uh, I know enough to say we have to look into this deeper. And it brings me to a point where I'm going to say this. When you're sending something to a lab, like if the the cannabis industry, I don't know what to call it, CB, the acronym industry, the shrub, CBD, CBN, cannabinoid, I don't know. You know, there's so many acronyms. Um, if you're sending that plant to a laboratory for testing THC or heavy metals, laboratories do not necessarily test for uh, volatile compounds. A lab's gonna test whatever you ask. So when I did the very, very first antibacterial test, it was a specific lab. If I was going to do a viral test, it's a different laboratory. If I'm going to do um, whatever test I'm going to do isn't done in one lab. So as we're testing our bud for heavy metals, are we testing for other volatile compounds? I don't think so, unless they're sending it to a different lab that mm. has directed to look for volatile compounds. And I can understand why right now there's a lot of regulations coming in. Uh, if you open a restaurant, you can't serve food unless the health department gives you a stamp of okay. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people scrutinize GW Pharmaceuticals. I use those guys when they started. They were a bunch of hippies. They took 28 years of clinical trials and uh, had to get FDA approval for two forms of epilepsy. We've got a, you know, I don't like the white man's paperwork. I don't like any of it. But you got to kind of play the game and abide by some of these regulations. Otherwise, there's an awful lot of um, liability. And I can tell you topically, I sat with my father for two weeks recently until he passed. And the only thing that gave him pain relief was CBD or whatever it is. I have a video of my 94 year old father holding a jar of salve and said, I don't need anything for pain, but this. So we, but we have to do the work to make these claims. We're, we're not, we're, otherwise we're just climbing up a hill and falling down. We can do this. But my job is to say, look guys, I know the marijuana people don't want pollination. Okay, I, I don't understand all of this conflict going on. 
But where I go, I've seen pollinated crops. It's great. You get the seed and you get the bast and you get the herd and you get the root and you get the, the leaf. Now, wouldn't you think you want more value added products than just Russian roulette with a bud? I'd say everyone should grow marijuana because that's going to be the future. Maybe we can get people to stop drinking so much. I'd, I've never heard of anyone having a car accident, uh, smoking weed, you know, and I've smoked plenty in my life, uh, but currently not. And that's not a topic until I can figure out what's making me sick because it's not the weed. But here is fiber, completely mechanical, no need for chemical processing. This was done four years ago. And here's a yarn that I made right here in Colorado. This is not rocket science. This is not huge investment. And at some point, I'll, I'll prove what I'm saying. Now, what's critical that everybody understands, this is a Kona yarn. This is a Kona yarn. There is about 30 different yarn sizes. Each yarn size requires mechanicals, well, first you have to go through degumming. There's eco-friendly degumming, or there's a mechanical process, which I would prefer. Then it goes through mechanical processes to create, oh, it's so hard to explain sometimes because there's so much more to it. Here is a photograph. See that? Uh -huh. It requires three lines this length to create one size yarn. Wow. One. And that's a blend of hemp and organic cotton. Now, if there's only 15%, Bast fiber in hemp, the infrastructure required to make 30 different yarn sizes. There's also four different spinning systems. Four for 15% fiber. It makes absolutely no sense on an economy of scale. So as people are saying, I want textiles, I want textiles, you better be careful what you're saying because you can end up with this, which is chemically processed into a filament fiber. So I'm, here's where I'm, I'm needing a little light. You're saying that the, the, uh, the land race time that you, not what you're holding, the other stuff, only has 15% fiber and is 
tough to scale up. And you're saying you're you're saying you want people to understand that because at the same time, the other side of that is to use something that seemingly is um available though at the same time is going to be detrimental to us considering the chemical processes that are already being used in clothes and people you know there are talks of the links between um autism or or neurological disorders and eating pesticides or wearing pesticides as you're saying which is even worse uh in your opinion which i i I see your point in that. And, you know, we have stomach acid and then we putting things in on our skin, you know, there's, there's nothing to break that down. It just goes in us and it, it, it gets in our, in our bloodstream. So, you know, I, I see your point there though. What, what's the solution? You know, if, if one side is, 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 is tough to scale up and the other side is full of chemicals, what, what are we looking at? Well, it's more than just chemicals. It's how it's grown. This is a shrub. Okay. So let's talk about shrubs and uh, in that world. Or, or so different. you're planting them apart in the field. Everyone has seen how they're planted. Mm-hmm. Most of the people are using plastic as a weed suppressant. To grow in rows and using plastic in the rows to make and holes okay please continue that is by far the most disturbing thing i've ever seen i want to say there is something called mulch you don't have to use plastic first of all i i i've done this with other projects in other countries where we had weed problems. We brought in goats. Well, that didn't work. So what we ended up doing is just putting a very uh, low density straw on the ground to suppress the weeds. So all this plastic, we're not only contaminating the soil, but we're contaminating the plant. Because think about when you were told, don't leave your water bottle in the car and then drink out of it because it had leached. Let's just call it crap into the water. Yeah. So what makes us think that this plant isn't uptaking leaching from the plastic in the fields. This is wrong. I mean, I'm all for this, but do it according to uh, a conscious level of what you're, you're doing to the environment. Because there are ways to do this more eco-friendly. And another biggie, I hear from people is I'm using neem oil. That's natural. I'm using fish emulsion. Well, to me, I'm going, oh my God, did you read the MSDS report on neem oil? To see what it really is, a manufacturer's safety data sheet that is complete 
not just up to question 16. I want to see up to question 28 on the report. Fish emulsion. Everyone says, oh, I'm using fish. Well, how the hell do you know what it ate and where it lived? You know, we, we've... And I'm, I, I want people to learn from this. I don't want them to get pissed off at me because I'm pointing out these things. I'm protecting them because eventually there's a lot of liability here. So for the people who are finding in, you know, uh, viability in thinking they're saving money and using plastic or, or going in these routes, um, you know, that might be the industry standard. How do we inspire somebody to consider these more mindful routes? Starting with the, the farm. And I have a whole contract that when farmers were calling me saying, oh my God, this guy never showed up and my field is full of plastic. And I've had farmers, guys that you would never think would cry, but they've had a couple ditch eyes, a little bourbon and water before they call me and they're really upset. I say, treat this as a lease. Somebody comes and asks a farmer to grow. In that lease, it has to specify no plastic. Here's so right now you're talking about people who are leasing land to farmers. That, that, that's definitely a good no, consideration. Farmers leasing to people that want them to grow. Okay. Because the farmer needs protection. They have none. Okay. Zero. For and sure. There's a way both people can benefit. But, you know, I could spell this out on circles and dots on a 30 foot whiteboard. For, uh, but we've got a lot of things to cover because we're already at almost ending. So, Brent, I, I, I want this info heard, but yeah. nobody lets me at. No, the boys won't let me play with them. Okay. The countries that I work in, I work with all men. Mm -hmm. I've been on projects, uh, not just with him, um, Mexico. I'm, I have a CSR program down there for other plant fibers. We have an abundant amount of plant fibers that will work for apparel, but it's definitely this quantity of fiber is utterly absurd. And okay. when they say cottonized fiber, it looks like cotton, it feels like cotton, but 85% of it is lint. You can't spin it on any system. And I, I've had many known names in the industry put this, this. God, I wish we had more time. I've got boxes of stuff like this. It looks like cotton. It feels like cotton. Oh, my God, we're going to have T-shirts. 
You're lucky if 2% of this is going to make a yarn. If you're not a textile engineer and trained in qualifying fiber, it's not possible. And it's very important. I give another analogy. A cotton grower, when they harvest cotton, it gets sent to a gin. The gin is cleaning out the impurities. And then there's another machine that grades the fiber. So you end up with three to four grades of cotton. At that point, the commodity brokers will purchase what quality they want. So the same thing has to happen with hemp seed and this cottonized fiber. As far as I'm concerned, it sure as heck doesn't look like this. This is 100% hemp fiber that you only end up with 2 to 3%. This is Chinese fiber, long fiber. And we don't even have spinning systems in the U.S. for that. That's why they cottonized. And it sure looks to me, um, I don't want to say anything inaccurate but it's definitely not the method I would use. Uh, I'd like, I'd like to see this method because it's already proven to make yarn, and the infrastructure is already here. And the plants used to make that, how much of it is that? The fifteen percent that you were talking about? Yes, and and ninety eight percent of this very thin fiber I showed you, 98% of this is usable. Okay. I don't get the waste, but still the economy of scale, this is the last thing on the totem pole. Okay. Seed first. We know there's an industry for seed, We've got Wesson oil. We've got all, I can't think of names of oil because I don't eat much oil. Um, I do take my hemp seed oil, been taking it for years. We already have processors for that. And if hemp seed sells for $1.40 to $1.60 a pound, that's bingo. Then, if you do get the proper decortication, because everything that I've seen is not done properly. Some people are getting there. There's two people in particular I'm, I'm watching what they're doing and um, their decortication method. But historically, there was never decortication. Back in the day, it was all hand done. In China, it was all hand done um, up until probably only seven years ago. Literally manpower. So I've been working on building a decorticator, but it didn't make much sense when all I see is this. Yeah. 
So I decided um, what is the most important thing to launch this industry? Seed, mm. because they harvest it. And, and believe it or not, the Chinese gifted me an industrial sized machine to help us get back on track. They say in China, uh, the word is, I made 63,000 jobs over the years. I would like to do that at home. But, you know, I'm keynote speaker on this, on that. Well, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in sitting in a room with people that can carry out what I'm trying to share, because I've been doing this 30 years just with hemp and a lifetime with plant fibers. I don't want to do it anymore. I've got enough fabrics from China. We're never going to compete with China. Okay, let's be friends. And that's a whole nother episode. I would like to educate people on China. Okay, they're all Buddhist. That's all I'm going to say for now. There's no organized religion because that creates war and animosity and separates people. So let's just leave it at that. Buddhism is living in the now in harmony with each other. Boy, Brent, I'd love to carry this out into an encyclopedia since no one reads them anymore. Um, <laughs> we, I want to help. And when someone asks me a question, a younger person, let me answer. Don't answer your own question because it irritates me. I'm 65. I'm a proud 65. I get to talk about what I learned and experienced. I don't know everything, but I sure as heck need to get more involved and, and help us be on a sustainable path rather than some fad right now and feeding the big boys their next resource do you follow me on this? They set us up. The marijuana, the CBD, it was all approved for taxes and a hundred day renewable resource. That's what happened when nobody was looking. And I could explain more, but I don't want to be um, so rather than do it the right way, they're creating that people are creating more um, put, put, putting these uh, industries into with with fuel by these chemical processes and and saying that now we have pardon. They don't know it after they harvest the bud. They don't realize this material is the next best resource for making. And I knew this was going to happen. So I made 
um, fabrics that can utilize this, but in a more eco-friendly manner. So you have the solution in that way. That's what we're talking about now is utilizing that stuff in a way that doesn't contain all the chemicals that we're talking about a bed. Is that what you're saying? It does, no, it does contain some. Okay. But it isn't anything that is not in our, it, it takes, I don't like answering a question halfway. Okay. I have to explain the answer because otherwise it's assumed and, but it's hard for people to retain all this. But ask me a question or if anyone does, I just want this industry to get on a sustainable long-term path. We, and we already have so much of the infrastructure. So when people say, oh, we don't have the infrastructure or, oh, we're gonna build a plant where we're gonna make particle board, we're gonna make granola bars, we're gonna make this and that. Please don't believe it. Okay, it's, so what's the solution? The solution is I'm boss. <laughs> and I can at least direct people with great passion and ideas to find find this what is their passion? Is it growing? Is it processing? Is it, are they interested in building materials? Are they interested in food? Because choose something and become the best. If you're trying to do 10 different things with people that don't have experience, what is the outcome gonna be? So my job as a project manager, there's two things, logistics and outcome. Is it feasible? Those are the two most important things when I go to any project with ag waste. What are our logistics, our ability to move, and can we reach the outcome, what infrastructure is currently there? Are we gonna invest $300 million in, it takes five factories to utilize natural fiber and make it into a garment. Are we gonna actually do that in a natural method if we only get 15% bass fiber? Or are we going to feed an infrastructure that's a chemical closed loop process? As far as I'm concerned, I don't want to see it. We want progress, not repeating, you know, the recycling plastic. Why the hell are we recycling it? Why don't we make it into chairs? What does the progress look like to you? Uh, bleak right now bleak and I'm going to start a few things so that I can or it would be nice if some of the events I spoke at 
would put those videos up and let people see it because what I've just told you, I've, I'm like a broken record. I've said this so many times. Here's this person, here's that person. Give people access to the things I've been tape recorded. I've been, I don't see them. I wonder where they are. From what I'm hearing you say, like it sounds like you're saying you don't think we're at a point where we can scale up making hemp clothes in an effective in a in a in a healthy way. No. Is that what, is that is that correct? Correct. So, okay. So I keep asking what the solution is. Do you do you have a solution for this since we want hemp yes. clothes? Okay. Um, I don't think it's going to be clothing, the application of hemp in America, because of the economy of scale and the return on the investment. It would take a lot of years to do it in a natural way. But this 15% fiber in a non-woven format, where you're not making yarn, you're going to do just what we did with BMW and Mercedes-Benz in Europe. Don Agro and Hemp Flax. Car panels, they're successful. Okay, so now we're saying, this is the delineations, right? The, I'm, 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 <clears throat> I'm seeing the distinctions that you're talking about, whereas you're saying, hey, if you're looking to grow hemp to make clothes here in America, you might be walking up a tree that you might not be able to process. At the same time, if you're looking to benefit or or be successful growing hemp, you might want to look at things that have the life of ROI that you're looking for. And that you have seen in this country, at least currently, is hemp seed. That's what you're saying. Yes. Yes, Canada proved it. 25 years, where do, where do we think all the hemp seed oil food products and Whole Foods or natural grocers or wherever? That's an industry. And then all the waste products that, that have the potential of being turned into these chemical slurries, so to speak, you're saying that, <clears throat> or I, I don't know what you're saying, but I- I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I rather- You'd rather turn that into mulch. Or, or no, or MDF board, if it's going to oh. come from this, if okay. we're going to grow like that. That's just one idea. I could give a hundred ideas, but I don't work for free. Uh-huh. Boom. So if people want to get in touch with you, or if people want to have a consultation, or, or, or is that mm-hmm. something that you offer up? Yes, I. Uh, we have... Uh, a couple levels I work at. First, I have to qualify them. I need to know their name, their company name, whatever background. And then we book an initial consultation. And then I determine what's needed. I may send them to someone else, but I want them to have choices. And right now, they don't have the full picture to make a choice. You're saying people are getting into business without realizing the playing field. Not at all. 
And we've got to protect the farmers. Without the farmers, there is no industry. And the people that are, okay, we've got two minutes. Listen, let's, here's what we're going to do, okay? Um, let's uh, take a water break and a restroom break. We'll come right back. I'll, I, I have another 45 minutes, half hour to 45 minutes I can dedicate with you so that we can fulfill the message. If that's okay with you, I'd be delighted awesome. to. Uh, okay. Great. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. There you go. Okay. This is current day industrial hemp. On the, on? On this one. Yeah. This is not what I've seen anywhere in the world over 30 years. I don't know other than what I described as this being a hundred day renewable bio-based plant material. It's renewable at a hundred days versus trees. So, uh, I really don't want to see synthetic textiles of any sort. I strongly believe, but again, you know, until I can do more detailed testing, I would say a lot of our health issues today are due to the synthetics that we're wearing. And, uh, and I can pinpoint it exactly, but the costs to do that are not in my budget when I'm stocking over 80 fabrics in order to make it possible for people to utilize the raw material. Even if it's from China, when it hits our seaports, we are creating jobs from the moment it hits here. Drivers, cut and sews, packaging companies, work at home moms, businesses. I've worked with um, automotive companies. I, I don't like disclosing names because of NDAs. I do honor NDAs, but there's very big industries that want to change. They want something that's gonna eliminate a component that they know is toxic. And we have it, components right here. We, we're not gonna be the next Louis Pasteur. I love the name of your show. I love it because it says it all. What are we going to do without farmers? Because that's what's happening. West of here, beautiful orchards that produce pears and apples and peaches and apricots. They were torn out to grow shrubs that were left abandoned lined with plastic. And here's these three generations of farmers going, I lost everything. 
Well, that's not going to happen anymore. If someone wants to lease land from a farmer and have the farmer grow, there has to be contracts where the lease is the responsible party. I do it in my business in the sense if someone places an order for 5,000 yards of fabric, they have to put skin in the game. I want a deposit. I'm not a bank. I'm a manufacturer. I'm a designer. I am not a bank. Yes. See? things should go for anyone especially going into the native american land they are responsible the leasee the lease or will have an agreement where both sides are considered but the burden is not going to lay on the farmer anymore it's just, it's not going to happen. Every farmer that calls me, I say, well, right now, let's get a contract in place for the party that's approaching you to grow. So generally, and, the farmer is the people who own the farm and the party yeah. contacting them are the ones who want to come in and start growing hemp. And then that you're saying that the contract that there's there should be a contract and that contract should be transparent as to having a meeting of the minds based on what's going mm -hmm. to be how the land will be used what the permitted uses of the land are and how the land or how the whatever is brought onto the land will be disposed of as well as potential um considerations for or contingencies if of course that doesn't happen in the way that you know, is meeting those. Uh, Absolutely. And skin in the game for the operational costs that the farmer is the labor costs, the machinery costs. If you're going to, it's just like if I rent an apartment to someone, I have a security deposit. Yeah. That's the only thing that makes any sense because everybody that I talk to have bales and bales of hemp. And one of the big things that has to be considered is the mold. Yeah. Aspergillus niger is one of the molds I'm seeing on baled hemp. I can smell it. I can see it. I see it on the, the shrub grown method. And that's a deadly mold. Yeah, I've seen that in terms of people who were wanting to show me hemp that I would, you know, extract and I've turned down most of it. And it's it's uh, it's a sad state of affairs when people have gotten so deep into growing and then they ruin it in the, you know, in the process and with, without really understanding what it takes. You know, if you have X amount of acres, you're going to need X amount of, uh, of, of square feet to dry. 
your crop. And if you don't have the ability to do that in a, in, a, in, a, in an efficient way, you're going to ruin what you grew because it's going to mold. And then you're going to look for ways for people to extract that and turn that into distillate. So now we have how much percentage of the industry is coming out with CBD oil that was really from moldy material, you know? And so people aren't talking about that kind of thing either. And ever the more, I want you to continue. This is, this is a show about your focus. <laughs> well, if they're sending say the CBD extract, and I really hate acronyms, you know, if they're sending it for testing for THC levels, nobody is looking to see if there's mold. A lab that tests for THC is very unlikely to be testing for molds. And they don't test for, um, you know, glyphosate in the, in the way that that's only a water-based test. So you can't actually send, maybe, maybe they're labs now, but I remember a couple of years ago, I was looking to find out, uh, find a lab that tested the soil and they, they said it was only water that you can test. So for the most part, so many farms have converted their, um, roundup laced cornfields into hemp. And you, these days you only have to, for people that don't know, not grow with those unapproved pesticides for three years. And then that land can now be deemed organic, which is, you know, it could have been having uh, drowned in pesticides for the past 50 years. Right. And, still, you know, and there's labs, Brent, that will specifically test for any, um, they could, if you say I'm looking for glycosophate or I'm looking for a heavy metal or I'm looking oh, sure. We do heavy metal testing, though, in terms of specifically for that chemical that's in Roundup, I only found labs that tested water, um, water sample. They only did water samples. They didn't do soil samples. So it was, you know. I would first check to see if they're endowed. Endowment money, because endowment money dictates the outcome. The endowment money for colleges dictates the curriculum. So a lot of the colleges, you know, I don't like working with colleges because I'm told what the curriculum is and it, it's not my scene. So if they're, the students are going to school, they're paying for an education, but behind the scene, there's endowment that says, okay, we want to talk about regenerating cellulose into apparel grade textiles. Well, why aren't they teaching about utilizing natural resources? And it's not just hemp. I mean, I worked with nettles 35 years ago. I was going to ask you about that because recently uh, I read about nettles being used as clothing. They said it was like the stinging suit. And uh, <laughs> no, it's, 
it's not commercialized yet. I, I mean, even when I did it, it had maybe it was forty years ago. I have some yarn here, but each fiber. Here's a really I can't disclose what this is. Okay, but remember our fiber. Here it is on hemp. Here is another resource that comes out of one leaf of a plant that yields fiber for seven years. This can be mechanically processed and be utilized in blends at 100% hemp. It can make yarn, it can make twine. I've mechanically processed this fiber and blended it with wool. Um, uh, so you're saying that you know of a plant that you can take the leaves and you can even blend them with hemp and other fibers to make oh, what you yes. just helped. Yes. Oh, I have an office full of resources that yield much more fiber. What we have to, that's why I formed the UNFC. United. More fiber than hemp produces. Oh, is that absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, but hemp contains the industry and again this is ip so but nobody is really understanding the value of the core of this plant they're putting it into concrete mixes this, the, the value of this based on the specification of the end user. There are industries right now that could utilize the herd to replace components in their existing products. That are probably toxic. Yes, yes. Insulation and, in houses? Um, this can work as insulation, but you need a fire retardant because this is highly flammable. Now, well, you hemp, can, hempcrete is not highly flammable, though, right? Um, hempcrete, the only reason it's not flammable is it's because of the lime. Yeah. Hemp is... is it burns hot. Yeah. Very little smoke. Um, when I was working on the decorticator, we died. It was kind of cold in the winter. I said, let's burn some of this stuff. And that's when I realized, wait a minute, this isn't producing much smoke. It's more of a vapor and it was very hot and it burned very slow. Um, there's endless applications. I specialize in product And it was fully dried? Yeah, yeah. See, when you've done this your entire life, you start to see inherent properties and 
especially ag waste. Um, I'll give you a good example. When coconut water got really popular, there was so much waste. Um, I got headhunted to a project. And I looked at this waste and I said, wow, I think we can use this to make an alternative to polyurethane foam. And sure enough, here it is. And it's only two components. It's coconut waste with natural tree sap, which is like a rubber, latex. Two components. There's also kudzu in the South where they call it a noxious weed when that fiber mechanically can be as beautiful as silk. There's the 3M sponge. A lot of people knew about the brown sponge, the, clean, the greener, cleaner brown sponge. It was in the stores. It wasn't that yellow and green. It was a brown sponge. That was another project I worked on where it was waste from a beverage processing, which I can't disclose, but it was progress, not perfection. What I did was use 50% of that waste with 50% polypropylene and made a non-woven heat set it and it became the new surface to the 3M sponge. So um, there's so much, but if we're not taught it in the schools and we're taught what the lobbyists and the endowments want, we're just spinning our wheels and recreating What's got us here in the first place? When I was a kid, my mom took me to the Passaic River in Patterson, New Jersey, and said, remember how beautiful this river was? Well, now look at it since synthetics have come. You know, I, I'm so grateful for my mom and I'm so grateful that my daughter, Summer Star, it's in her blood. It's just, it's not something you can learn in school right now. I'm hoping many years ago, Eileen Fisher, the famous designer and I, created a conference at Fashion Institute in New York to start talking about a curriculum that the school could start teaching what sustainability was. And I wrote a definition for sustainability. I did the first product transparency 20 years ago. Um, all of it's starting to take hold now, but it's not at the level I intended it to be transparency. Certifiers, anybody could pay someone for a sticker. 
I feel the product developers need to be held accountable, just like a judge or a doctor. You take an oath. And if you break that oath, then it's punishable by law. Because a sticker isn't, what does it tell us? You've got, okay, the USDA, um, it's certified organic. Okay, I accept that one. I have issues with the others because I've checked it out. If somebody says something's VOC free, off-gassing, well, why are they testing it at below body temperature? Talk about it. Yeah. Let's see what it does when the temperature is elevated. And the California fires was a great example. Colorado fires. When chemicals burn and synthetics burn, the smoke is black. When a tree burns, the smoke is white. Mm, talk about it. Yeah. When the house is burned down, what was still standing? The concrete walls and the springs from the furniture. And if you look closely, you don't even see charred woods because you had a synthetic material over that sofa you sit on. You had polypropylene, you had foams, you had all kinds of synthetic materials. That's fuel. There was nothing left. Mm. Start looking at where the fires were because the trees were still standing. It's true, even here in, uh, in Boulder, you know, the I saw fires, it was it was a really weird fire, you know, the way it was burning on the ground and burning through trees and just creating, you know, black trees. But still, like a lot of the trees are still alive now. You you just see right you know, evidence of the fire was there, right? And the smoke wasn't black. No, it was it, white smoke. Right. The black smoke is the synthetics burning. And, and the corn, what? I've got to throw this in, because the corn in the 70s was intended for fuel for our cars. Well, that didn't happen because it burned too fast. Now, what do you see at the pumps? 20% ethanol in with your fuel and what that does is just makes it burn faster mm. you know this, this charging more they're cutting it with corn ethanol and it's burning faster you need more it's the dealer man <laughs> the man man it's but the man man <laughs> doesn't know first of all i would say half of them don't know any better it's education. Thank you. Yeah, but they're motivated by profits, profits, profits. Certainly. Well, certainly. How do we turn it over and get more? Well, let's just ask these guys. Let's just say there's a heaven. Let's just pretend. 
What are they gonna do? Take suitcases of cash there? I mean, when is it enough? And I believe every company, I don't care how big or small you are, you have to have a corporate social responsibility program. If me, as one woman on a project, could adopt a community, teach them how to make a natural fiber product, and keep their community going for 15 years and get them a teacher, build them a small clinic from the profits, and I'm only one person, why can't, and I don't want to say their names because they infuriate me, why can't they get back? Rather than giving Coca-Cola, how about they give the kids water? How about they teach the children how to make agua fruta? Fruit water, there's plenty of fruit. Get a blender, I bought six blenders and went into a very poor community and I ran them off of generators and the kids went from drinking Coca-Cola to drinking tamarind and water okay you know you're that's a fruit there's so many easy low-cost solutions that i'm bewildered at the lack of vision that's happening and the lack of caring for your fellow man and i have to say this but is anybody, if they needed a heart transplant or if they needed a liver transplant, would they say, I only want a white guy's? Come on. Would you deny a heart or a liver from a black or an Asian? Asian? What, are Italians going to be next on the list? And by the way, it's called Italian, not Italian. There's more than one of us. Singular. <laughs> if one more person says, what kind of name is that? Are you I Italian? And I say, well, there's more than one. <laughs> but we Italian. <laughs> yeah, you know, education is our wisest investment. And I've seen that propaganda all over the world. We just haven't seen it. There's three signs, posters I've seen worldwide. The first poster is an ear of corn wearing a green sweater that says, corn will compete with cotton for investment. What? The second one says, Waste will be our future energy, and it's a windmill with a banana as the, the, the mill thing. And the third is a dollar bill that says education is your wisest investment. Now, I like the last two. The first one of the near of corn and a sweater is ridiculous. 
whoever came up with that, I, I, I'm not, I'm going to refrain from being sarcastic and funny. Next show, I'll turn on my, my comedy hour <laughs> of it. But this has been the hardest, hardest journey of my life with him. You'd think I was public enemy number one. It's incredible the things that have happened to me. I, that should be a book in itself. And, and I sit here and I look and say, God, they can grow marijuana now. They can grow hemp. God, if I brought in a container of shirts from Eastern Europe, it was held and inspected because they thought hashish. When I did project management for Ecolution, on the tag, that was Steve D'Angelo and Eric Steenstra's company. Now, they, they don't talk about that much, but it was a fabric and garment company. On the label, it had two little hemp leaves. I was held at JFK because I had garment samples with leaf on it. And I was told that to step back and say nothing because they had to open every one because they were collecting the residue of hashish. We've come a long way, baby, but we haven't come far enough. We gotta talk about this more than this because you can get medicine from this and that's a, a whole nother aspect of the plant there's so much I'd love to say but it's it's time huh, it's time I've invested my life into this um, I don't have any relationships other than work relationships because it's not fair to anyone to try to have a relationship because I'm obsessed with making a change. Even if it's a little teeny weeny one, at least it's progress. It may not be perfection, but we What's have- What's the change you want to see happen right now? Right now, start like growing. We, obviously, we need baby steps, but yeah, what right now? First of all, start growing hemp the way it was intended. Where do people get seeds to do that? That's a really good question. In Europe, we had seed banks. I was not involved in that part of it. I remember in Canada, they used a seed called Carmignola. It was called a dual purpose. Then there was Fanola. Um, I strictly come in to projects. And for me in America, my greatest suggestion is don't plant 500 acres of hemp this year. Start testing and planting according to what was historically done. Then you hire me. So you mean I'll, that somebody who's starting out, that's who you're talking to? 
Well, somebody that's starting out, first of all, when you call me and you say, I want to grow hemp, the very first question I ask them is, are you, are you growing shrubs or are you growing hemp? And they don't know what I'm talking about. And so I what's the difference? Huge difference. Tell people a right shrub, now, what's the difference? One's a shrub and one's industrial hemp. The so one grows 12 to 14 feet high. One grows three to five feet high. Feet. When you see 14 foot, that's usually canaf. Okay. It's not um, hemp. Just plant it densely. So eight to 10, whatever. One's, one's yeah. tall and thin. Six, the other one's yeah. bushy and short. More yeah, or less. And one. And one, one flower, the other one's grown for the five, the pulp or the, the, the herd or the fiber. Or the or, seed. Or the you seed. allow it okay. to pollinate and go to seed. Oh, boy. And a lot of agronomists will argue with me because they're very influenced by their educations. But it's where I've been. I said, what do you guys do? How do you, like in China one time, I said, how do you plant this stuff? What do you got to do? And there was this guy, I swear to God, he looked like Buddha. He was sitting there and he says, puts his hand in his, the seed in his hand. He throws it, broadcasts it. He pulls his sun hat over his eyes and he does this. Because I hadn't, you know, I had a translator that said, she wants to know how it's grown. And then the translator leaves, and I'm with this guy in the middle of nowhere. He does this. And I said, oh, you know. Um, <laughs> I throw it on the ground, then I wait, and I pray. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never saw rows of hemp. I never saw anyone planting it or cloning it I and mean, uh, the only thing i know that was cloned was a sheep with a goat i think um I, this modern day uh manipulating nature how is this any different than the genetic the gmo crops we're talking about i want to know what they're doing to him to say well I've got this variety or that variety or this species or that species. And first of all, they name it things. Like my dad said, he just passed away. But he said to me, he said, you know, you're telling me the names of these things. Why would I want to eat something like that? Because I tried them on CBD. I tried everything. And it does work. Topically, I saw it work. It saved him. It really, his pain. I dosed him with some liquid. And I don't know whether it knocked him out, made him sleep. I don't, I don't know because I've tried everything. CBD, everything, every brand. And I don't you feel it. mine, my dear. Huh? I'll you try got it. I'm up, but I can't have anything with THC if it's grown indoors because I'm being poisoned. I've smoked high THC since I was 11 years old. It is well, not. 
I will I will take care of you after the show. We'll talk about it. I'll get your address. I'll make sure you get some Gorilla Healer oil. And I would love the opportunity to impress you, especially considering how critical you are. I want in. And so we'll talk about that. And listen, we have a few minutes left. So I want to talk about the things that you love and the things that you want to bring to this world and what you want the people to know about so that we can have more solutions. Because, you know, that that's 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 what I see in you is your your many solutions. You, you know, yeah. that's what we were talking about is the the divine wisdom in the feminine teaches the divine wisdom in the masculine and we work together and, and and teaches the divine feminine as well and you know um that that's where we're learning from this from from your wisdom as you you know i always say you're the only person in our world who loves what you love the way you love it and so when you share that we learn and in that way that's your magic we get to experience your magic and so to share your magic in a way in a frequency that's going to resonate you know that's that to me is the most important thing because your message is so important so what what is your what is your what is your message what's the solution that you're looking to bring to the world first of all there's others i'm being a voice for the people that taught me it's a handed down thing. It's a destiny for me. Like the Chinese say, why do you always just get frustrated? This is your destiny. Embrace. So the destiny is we have to restart this industry. And we have to all get along. The marijuana growers, the medicinal growers, and then the industrial growers. What does that look like? Hmm? What does that look like? Um, Well, from what I can see, first of all, uh, we're growing marijuana in greenhouses. How is that conserving energy, first of all? Yeah, I just like to know. I mean, I'd like to know what their electric bill is. I'd like to know what their water consumption is. Okay, Can so I- that's that. That's a good point. You know, and I- pardon. And why are they using so much damn plastic? I'll make them pots. No problem reusable pots. I don't want to eat or smoke or drink anything from plastic. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. Okay, so Come. you want you want to see less plastics being utilized in growing and in, in, in uh farming industry. Yeah, in the can this cannabis industry. In the cannabis industry and anything that people are consuming. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And what, 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 what are more solutions? More solutions, reducing what they're doing in the fields, again, with the plastic. Okay. Plastic, I'm obsessed with the plastic today. Right, rightfully so. There's, there's micro uh, plastics in the ocean. They're ruining a lot of things. They're ruining us. I, I'm very, uh, you know, I go get water at a, at a place in the mountains and he only uses glass and he, he says, you want to make plastic tea? I'm not going to give it to you, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if it's good water, it's going to 
it's gonna it's gonna yeah. steep well so you know and yeah well it's you know the passion over the last eight years i came back summer said to me mom you gotta work in america you gotta work in america i said i've never worked in america I mean, this is like a fish out of water for me. I, it, it was very difficult to adapt. Well, we have um, to figure yeah. out. Listen, I, I, I imagine we're going to say something very similar right now. And, and if I may just bring this out and I want you to have the floor after until we're done. Caring is the, is the way. How do we care more? And to inspire us to care more, that helps us, in my opinion, and it, you know, gives us a reason to do anything about it. Because for the most part, like people might agree with something logically, though we have to really, it has to hit home for us to care enough to actually do something about it, you know? Well, they just conditioned us after lockdown of not even... Being able to interact, last night I took a walk, and here comes three women, Summer and I took our walk, and I said, hi. Not one of them said hello. We got to get people to just start saying hello and having a little eye contact. People are afraid to look at each other anymore. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> you Good. Know? Me too. We've got to teach the youth what makes them the happiest, what jazzes them, what energizes them. Because they have to do it the rest of their lives. They've got to have a career. Let's let's say, hey, young per person, you know, what do you like? Do you like playing ball? Do you like hiking? Then add another piece to that and, and build back character because half the kids I know, they can't look up from their cell phones. We've got to stop this. Just get, have cell phone time. But then again, you look at the parents and you got to say, well, you know, you can't choose your parents. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm really, really good today. I haven't cracked any jokes. <laughs> That's next next one. But passion, the three, the only way we will prosper in this industrial hemp industry or anything environmental is if you don't have the passion first you gotta have passion for something you gotta have principles make sure what you're doing is good for everybody the land the people yeah. the environment and then you're gonna have the prosperity prosperity doesn't come first i don't know how many people i've talked to where they're like on the rainbow they want that pot of gold well you gotta build the rainbow first it's gotta rain first i just said that to my friend yesterday i said you can't buy the rainbow the rainbow comes free yeah. you gotta rain 
Yeah, you gotta have Ryan first. <laughs> so, I there's hope. I'm very concerned about um, this new legislation. I'm concerned about who's dictating it. What new legislation are you speaking about for those that uh, are the scrutiny that's coming down on CBD producers? Talk about having, it. Well, I haven't read the bills yet or read the proposal, other than they're going to have to comply with Richard would know more about this, but they're going to have to comply if it's a nutraceutical or if it's a pharmaceutical, you have to have clinical trials, you have to have FDA approval. If you're gonna make a food product, it's, you know, you, the health inspector comes in, makes sure the kitchen meets health requirements, the packaging, and th this is an easy thing. And it's amazing. The Federal Trade Commission is in charge of labeling. They answered the phone. If you Google Federal Trade Commission, Washington, D.C., there's a human that answers the phone. Ask them. Don't assume to know that, oh, I made a product and I put a pretty label on it. Well, where's your barcode? Where is your contents? Where's your percentages? Where's, because whether you like it or not, you gotta do that, you know, to be successful and embraced by, you know, consumers, even though the consumers probably don't read too many labels. But teach your kids to read labels, you know? Mm, yes. Yes, definitely. Do you know that nine, nine teaspoons of sugar in a can of Coca-Cola? There's an excellent book that Ralph Nader wrote many years ago that reported all kinds of obscure things. I think our kids should start reading this and seeing, you know, what to avoid rather than it being put in their face, you know, that this has been awesome for me. I feel like I've been able to like just purge information just a little bit. If someone walks away with just one little piece, that's progress. Mm. Well, thank you, really. You know, I, uh, I know you're very busy and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for your time and, and for you sharing, you know, your uh, experiences and your, uh, your solutions and uh, what, what you're seeing as ways to fill the, the gaps and the holes in our foundation of humanity you know, and to give us a better integrity and that allows us to actually build up and have wellness rather than building up on something that's fake that's only actually poisoning everything anyway and that doesn't yeah. even you know it, we it, got it it's right here it's a stick it's a simple stick that has so many applications for use that will eliminate 
components that have been a negative impact. And you life. can you you can use it in a small scale in terms of uh, mechanically separating the herd, and you can use it in a small scale in um, in terms of hand weaving stuff. As you're saying, no, they've no, 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 no. You can no. The, forget hand weaving is a hobby. No, if this was grown correctly and handled correctly, you would have eighty five percent of a core of a plant, this other fiber, you could focus on one industry of application, blending it with other natural fibers so that it is inherently fire retardant. There's, it, as a product developer, it's so difficult when I'm talking about these things, because detail, detail, detail is critical. It's not complicated, but it's this requires that, that requires this, and it's all mechanical. And uh -huh. this fiber, I never used anything. I didn't use a chemical. I didn't, uh, uh, this wasn't irrigated grown hemp and this was grown right here in colorado you can turn that fiber into what i can make this into a non-woven composite that could be car panels it could be um god i should have brought more props um we have a few minutes, so you can list them all. List off whatever comes to your mind about how different uses for that. Um, a worsted weight yarn blended with U.S. alpaca. Bring back the alpaca industry. Okay, the llama, the sheep. When I first came to Colorado, everyone raised sheep. We were one of a big wool producer, and really the only warm natural fiber is animal hair and but the animals must be humanely raised and sheared well a good example is an alpaca farm i go visit an alpaca farm it's it's wonderful and if you're going to use an animal hair as a product developer, it's my duty to be sure that the animal is raised humanely. Step one, because if it isn't, uh, you don't want to see that side of me. Um, it's about the people and the, the resources. Um, I'm a full package, <laughs> you know? It's not just about the product. It's about how you get there to make the product. You know, you're speaking my language and here at Gorilla Healer, we're all about full spectrum and you are, you know, exactly like what you're saying right now should be put up on the wall and, and it's on the wall of my soul and that's how I live. And that's what it is. And that's why you're here today. So thank you. I salute you. 
And um, for everybody else who's heard Barbara talk about Summer, Summer Star has her own episode in season one of the Farms Not Farms podcast. And you can listen to Summer talk more in depth about environmental textiles and what they got going on over there. Because the, today was, what, what was it? Uh, Modern Hemp 101 with Barbara Philippone and uh, the Italian, not the Italian. And uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just really uh, honored that you felt called to share all this here today. And perhaps we'll, we'll get to have more conversations and get into more, you know, and um, just, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we're on the same team. Thanks, I am too. And blessings to everyone that has a passion to make change. Don't give up. Just keep that passion alive. You know, so till we meet again and Thank you. Oh, you know, I, uh, I love you too. Uh, you know, I love that you just took a deep breath because that's the way that we all often end this show. And so perhaps we can share together um, the miracle of life by taking a deep breath together on the count of three. One, two, three. Thank you all. Shout out to shout out to buildthesoil.com. Shout out to uh, Envirotextiles. Barbara, how do people get in touch with the Envirotextiles? Um, Google Envirotextiles. Boom, that sounds easy enough. <laughs> and we uh, answer our phones. You get a human. Mm. And we provide resource lists. Summer's in charge of operations and she can really explain. I'm just product development and helping, helping to change something that can change. The chair I'm sitting on would be a better use for recycling plastic than putting it in my clothes. And I'm wearing cashmere, <laughs> so. You know, uh, uh, off gassing is a big thing. I want people to definitely huge. keep that in mind and look it up if you if you uh, feel like researching a little bit more about what's going on with the with what we're wearing, what we're sleeping in, you know, in terms of our bedding and <clears throat> the whole nine. It's a, it's a, it's it's a, it's a big deal, and you know, a lot of us want to stay willfully ignorant or ignorance is bliss or just naive if we don't know. But now that we know, you know, we, we have the ability to respond to our abilities. That's being responsible. And it's nice to be mindful because we have, we, we, we really are, we're, we're powerful. We can, we can create the world we wish to see. And um, so Barbara, keep, keep being a luminary and your positivity teaches us, your loving kindness teaches us through all your wisdom it's, 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 um, you know, it's experience and learning what not to do, learning, seeing what, what solutions are and where to apply them. And may we, may we continue to come together and do that and, uh, yeah. and be, be our solutions. We are the solution to our problems. And, um, 
I want to just say consumers demand transparency, mm. demand it. These new brands that are coming out question what they are. Even the old brands, you know, a lot of people are familiar with things that, are, <laughs> that we have no idea what they are, you know, but we, um, what we do with them, we're familiar with them. Yeah. So sit on a towel in your car. Don't put your baby in a car seat without a barrier cloth. Start being conscious of those things. So I guess we better rock and roll. I got yes, I have, uh, I have to see a client in a few minutes and you probably have other things to do today. Oh. So. Everybody, definitely uh, subscribe to the Farms Not Farms podcast on Spotify and Apple and check out all archived episodes, farmsnotfarms.org. Once again, shout out buildthesoil.com, shout out Summer, shout out Lend a Hand and Richard and everybody. And, uh, you know, keep the faith. Worshafter has the most incredible museum of the history of the cannabis medicine. You should get him on the show. Thank you for telling me about him. We'll have to talk more about him. Tell, t- and is there anything that you can um, say in, a, in like a, a, you know, a quick uh, bit where he's I at? Or... have an OG reunion. <laughs> Make it happen. I'll, I'll, you know, I'm here. You know. here. Let's set it up. Sounds well, amazing. If, if the, the, I don't know what the HIA is anymore because I don't get included. But let's, you know, let's restart here. Come on, when we would have our conventions, it was a a family reunion. Mm. And when people look at us OGs and say, oh, they're all pissed off. No, we're just old and we want you guys to have a solid future well that's the that's the frequency of understanding that i can that i can get with you know and that's i'm glad that you're delivering it that way you know because it's easier to learn like i said it's easier to learn from loving kindness than it is from frustration so in that way you know um thank you and uh let's 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 keep the conversation going you're great and i'm 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 grateful and uh yeah. Thanks. It's cool. It's all cool. All love. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you again, dear. Right. We'll talk very soon. Okay. Till right. we meet again. And you have an open invite up to the the western slope. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so okay. much. All right. <laughs> you have a great day. Okay. You too. You all too. Right. Thank- Take care, friend. Thank you, everyone. I hope you walk, you go away from this with just something to broaden your perspective of what opportunity we have. Mm. Okay, see you guys. Later. Love. Bye. Yeah, big love. Thank you for listening to the Farms Not Farms podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Healer. 
If you want to watch the full episode, plus behind-the-scenes footage, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash burntmd. And subscribe to the Farms Not Farms podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, buildasoil.com, for all of your organic soil amendment needs. As always, be well.